Welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. Uh, this week, uh, we bring on another RBM uh, contributor in Pat Maribo. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me again, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew, how about you? Uh, obviously, uh, another Everton win, so we're feeling you know a little bit uh, joyous today on this one as well. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, it's, obviously, Everton's a nice... A nice surprise. They haven't won a home game last night. Um, the weather here isn't really nice lately. Um, <laughs> been able to run again after injuring my knee, which was nice. So yeah, apart from there being a pandemic, it's all all good news, really. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, awesome. But yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Everton um, beating Southampton last night one nil. Um, there was three changes in the lineup. Uh, Allen came in for Davies, who was not on the bench. Sigurdsson came in for Coleman, who was not on the bench. And Calvert-Lewin for Rodriguez, who was not on the bench, obviously. Um, uh, Ancelotti saying before the game that, that each of them picked up a little bit of a knock uh, in training, and he felt it better just to leave them out for this one and, and keep them healthy. Um, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison started up front. Richarlison scored a goal in the ninth minute, and that's all Everton would need to win this one. So um, let's uh, get you know, into obviously this is the first home league win since Arsenal back in December. So it's been a couple months and uh, thankfully there were no fans in the stands the last couple months. Cause that would have been uh, <laughs> Goodison would have been a, a little crazy, but um, 47% possession. Let's start there. Matthew, you wrote a piece on this. Uh, so we'll start with you. Everton mm-hmm. have seemed to be better without the ball now. Yeah. I, that, that was kind of the conclusion I came to in the piece I did for the site today. Um, because if you look at the numbers, I have kind of always, I think generally from just watching Everton, you can kind of uh, fasten onto this. But I think this was Everton's 10th win out of their 13 in the league where they've had less than 50% possession. They had 47 last night. Um, and actually, there's a bit of a drop-off between Everton wins and defeats in terms of the average. Because then the average for the wins is about 45, 45 and a half. Whereas the eight games we've lost, the average is about 50.8, I think, 50.8, which would actually probably be a lot higher had we not had one of those not been to Man City, who, you know, basically outclassed us, and we had 30% there. Um, and in the, to me, that would suggest that we're probably, again, like I said, better when we've got less time to think about what we want to do with the ball. You know, if you describe an Everton goal to me at the moment, it would probably be. Maybe a Ligurdin cross for a Calvert-Lewin tap-in or a header or you know, a Michael Keane header. Or you know, maybe like a Richarlison, you know, one touch to control and then second touch to shoot. I don't, we're, not, we're not Man City, are we? Put it that way, we're not. And that's not a criticism because I think last night we played certainly much better at home than we have done recently and, and we do play some good stuff at times. Um, but, you know, you look at also, that you know, that the, for example, the ball touches um, which I had a look at, and Evans' average for games that we've won is in a game is 646. Uh, their average in the games they've lost is 680. Um, so that, you know, again, and, you know, the Newcastle defeats were kind of a prime example of that, where I think that was that was the most touch we've had in the game bar the West Brom win, the, the away game. Um, so it does, and, you know, I, I think the fact that Everton, I think, have had like the third most touches in their own defensive third and the fourth fewest in their attacking third. 
the fact that about three quarters of the goal have been one such finishes this season. I feel like last night was probably a good reflection of a lot of what we've seen from Everton this season in terms of, apart from the fact that the goal was a second touch finish and not a one touch finish. But, um, you know, just grinding it out, doing the dirty work, keeping it tight for the most part anyway, and, you know, just showing that sort of grit and resilience, which I think had that game been under Marcus Silva, for example, I think we probably wouldn't have wouldn't have seen it out. So I think that's another credit to Joe Antwalsi's done. Um, and I, th- I think, we, like I said, I think we are a team that is capable of playing good football, but I think as well as the fact that, you know, the the, the rigours of the compressed schedule because of COVID, I just think we, it was it would have been unrealistic to expect us to keep up the way we played like against Tottenham or West Brom every week. And then the injury has grown. So when we play like we did last night, I was quite happy with it just because what's gone before at home and also what, what you know what's reasonable to expect um, in this kind of season, in this kind of game. Um, and I quite like these sort of gritty, gnarly 1-0 wins, to be honest. It's quite satisfying about seeing Evan get over the line in them. So I, I saw a lot of people be, be a bit downcast about the performance, which I can understand. But for me, I was I was quite pleased to have it and, grind, uh, you know, grind this one out and get over the line. Dad, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely expecting a goal fest for sure. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Danny Ings is a player who scores a hat-trick against us every time we play against him. So I was expecting a few from him. Um, Southampton are they're a pretty tricky team, I'd say. Um, I know they haven't been the best this year, but, I mean, they definitely have the talent. And, you know, like Matthew said, I think, you know, a gritty one nothing win was – you know, the quality that we've seen from Everton so far this season, nothing too flashy. And it was a bit stagnant at times, um, you know, but it goes without saying that a win is a win. And, you know, to get the win at Goodison, you know, most importantly was was huge for the team. So, um, yeah, it was pretty solid three points for sure. Yeah. I, don't think it, I don't think it would be anywhere near as, um, as kind of edgy had, had that Michael Keane had it been allowed either. Yeah, if Holgate stays on side there, and he's only, I'm not blaming Holgate necessarily because it was very tight. Um, I think if Michael Keane scores there, oh, sorry, if Michael Keane's goal is allowed, I think we probably enjoy a much more comfortable, you know, last hour or so of that game. Yep. Um, the fact we got the, the fact we couldn't find the second goal was probably the only disappointing thing for me. I thought. Other than yeah. that, I didn't really ever feel. I know they had a few chances at the end, Vestergaard, for example, from Pickford, but. I never really felt that threatened by Southampton. This is the Gineppo one as well, which is probably a bad miss, but I always felt Evan had a pretty good control on that game. Mm. Yeah, like you said, Pat, a win is a win is a win, and, and obviously three points is three points in this situation. So uh, it's good for, for Everton to to get through this one. And, and Matthew, I know you said this in the the Slack chat yesterday, um, under Marco Silva, that's not a game Everton would typically win. Uh, that's a game we probably mm-hmm. lose. So um, just another step, I, you know, obviously, listen, we'd, we would love to be much better going forward, much more potent going forward. And we were at the beginning of the season, but also you remember at the beginning of the season, we were involved in seven, eight goal games where we're scoring five and the other team scoring two or three. So, you know, it, it kind of right now it's, it's, we're getting one or the other, we're getting a good defensive match and um, you know, uh, you know, maybe not as, as great of an offensive match or, or, or the opposite or vice versa, I should say. But 
listen, there's like you said, Matthew, there's something nice about these Everton one nothing wins, these gritty wins, because they feel very typically Everton. Um, you know, when you think about the good times, you know, of recent memory, it's a lot of grinding out wins and and getting the job done defensively and and the you know, they did a good job defensively. Um so, you know, really good job from Everton just to get through this one, get the clean sheet as well, which is great. I think also um, the big thing is just, and I know this was talked about on a couple podcasts after Everton beat Liverpool, how would Everton respond? Typically the hype of a Liverpool match, and especially a, the hype of a win, um, would send possibly some teams or some Everton's teams in the past um, down a spiral that <laughs> we've seen far too often, but um, I think getting this three points is bigger than we than it, than we realize at this current moment because you know it shows that the team you know was focused on the next match. They were focused on getting the win. They got the three points. They didn't take that tough loss to a team that's performing poorly. So um, just a good job to get that. Um, obviously, Allen was back in this one. What was your guys' thoughts uh, on him, Pat? We'll start with you. Yeah, it was it was definitely nice to have him back. You know, I, I think he brings that kind of energy to the midfield that we sometimes lack with Sigurdsson and um, Gomez. Uh, you know, he's, what is his first match since December, right? He's been out yeah. for that long. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely much, much needed. I mean, Davies has played, you know, great, um, but it's good that, you know, he didn't have to force any, you know, future injury or anything like that. But it, it was definitely nice to see him back. You know, I, I thought he played well. Um, and hopefully if he – stays healthy, you know, he'll continue to put in those kinds of performances. Uh, Matt, uh, Matthew, how about you? I thought he was um, probably not in uh, on, on his top form, but no, I think it would be fair to expect him to be. I haven't been out for two and a half months. Mm. Um, I did say he made the most interceptions or um, ball recoveries. Yeah. I think he was the most on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of, the, one of the points I made in that, article I wrote was that Everton are not good enough I don't think yet to press well under Ancelotti and I think the only real games where we've done that well is, is with Allen in the team I think Allen has the most tackles per game in the league after I think Ndidi and Mitchell the Palace fullback so that would that kind of just is testament to how how much kind of tenacity and and quality he brings in that department I think um, I I felt like he's not. I don't think he is best suited to that deepest role. To be honest, I would like to see him. I'm, I know he's not a creative midfielder, but I'd like to see him maybe play slightly further forward. And I think mate, you can probably trust Tom Davies in that deepest position when Davies is fit. Um, but felt like maybe a lot of Allen's good work maybe went under the radar last night because it's not particularly headline grabbing or anything like like Richardson's was, for example. Um, but I think he was actually, I think he's one of our most important players in winning this game, actually. And I, th- I think you could maybe got to be a bit careful with him because he's been out for two, two and a half months. But um, he, he certainly, I don't, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure he'll play both these games this week, but I think um, he's a massively important asset to Evans' team. And while Davies has done a really good job of, um, sort of deputizing for him, I don't think anyone really matches Allen's skill set yet in our, in, our, in our squad. So um, I think that was just reflecting how well he played for most of last night. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is that, you know, we can work Allen back in. Like you said, he's not going to play both these games. And, and while Davies may not have the same skill set, he's done, like you said, a good job of, of kind of, yeah. you know, playing that deputy role and kind of just filling in for him. Um, in terms of Allen, uh, in Pete's five telling stats, Allen has been involved in the most defensive duels per 90 in the Premier League at 11.2. Um, and he's a 68% action um, action successful rate just behind Ndidi. Um, so uh, yeah, like you said, he he's phenomenal and he's been so good for Everton. And and listen, I mean, um, you're right. It's not going to grab headlines, but what he does is so important. And 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 I would imagine he probably plays the West Brom game because, like you said, he, he helps out with that pressing. And I would imagine we're going to do more of that against them than maybe say a Chelsea if he's going to play one of the two matches. Um, but I'm not, sure, I'm not sure. I think it'll be the way around. You think, I think so? Especially, I think especially because the Chelsea game comes after the West the West Brom game. I think. Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it might be just just a rest in between. I think, mm. I think you can probably get by with without Allen for West Brom. I think Chelsea. That's fair. Harder game, and and like I said, Chelsea's not till next Monday. So if he doesn't play against West Brom, he's got a week between the games. Yeah, true, true, true. So I mean, obviously, we have to see how Davies is feeling. Obviously, again, um, said to have picked up a knock in training, but. Again, Angelotti didn't seem too worried about it, so we should be okay there. Um, uh, you mentioned Richarlison. We've talked a little about Pickford. Both of them have been tremendous over the last few games, specifically for Pickford the last two games. Richarlison, I think, has at least four four goals in his last um, five matches or something like that. Um, it, talk a little. Let's talk a little about them. Let's start with Richarlison, I guess. Um, we were. I, I remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about how poor he was and and how you know it would be really nice for him to kind of pick things up with DCL and then DCL goes out and he starts to find his form there what's kind of been different for him these last um few weeks uh Matthew we'll start for you and what's kind of led to this uh led to this kind of resurgence well I think it's funny because he had he was he was probably his best game of the season against Tottenham and then he tailed off against Fulham where he was completely anonymous I think Maybe getting that league goal again against Man, Man City, um, even though it just basically bounced off him from the post. Um, I think playing in that central role is, I get the impression that's where Richardson wants to play because you see him pretty much every time he gets the ball, he tries to find a, an angle to shoot from. I think he wants to be, I think he wants to be a centre forward. Um, and I think Ancelotti giving him that licence is um, has kind of, liberated him um, you know he's excellent there against Liverpool he obviously he took his goal I don't think he was quite as involved last night I think he still played really well though and took his goal perfectly so um, you know, I'm not being critical I just think um, it'll be interesting I guess whether this is kind of a long term strategy now for the rest of the season playing this you know narrower uh Sort of four four two with with Calvert Lewin and Richardson because I actually think maybe you can get by with it if you've got people like Allen and Decore in midfield. I think maybe last last season it worked at the start, but maybe tailed off just because the midfield was so tepid. I think having that extra beef in midfield, I think will will help Richardson and Calvert Lewin massively. And I just think Ancelotti has shown a lot of faith in him, which I guess helps as well. I mean. I know Marcus Silva was kind of like a mentor to Richardson, but um, it's nice to it's he's clearly 
somebody who maybe needs an arm around the shoulder or needs his managers sort of to give him a bit of confidence or whatever. And I think Ancelotti has, you know, once again shown what a good man manager he is because he's not sort of ever really hung with Charles not to try in public or criticise his performances. You can, you know, he constantly reiterates what a top player he, think he, he thinks he is. So I think he's done well in the way he's kept with Charles on side and I think the last few games kind of read re- the rewards of that. Pat, how about you? What do you what do you think about Richarlison's resurgence these last few games? I think he's just been finding his space a lot better. Uh, I think we've all, you know, seen the very frustrating times in the past, you know, few matches where he would just dribble into, you know, three defenders and lose the ball and just kind of sulk back. He he hasn't really shown that, you know, too recently in the last match or two. And I think, uh, you know, it's also important to note that, uh, you know, Sigurdsson. I believe has been playing a lot better as well recently. I think he gets a lot mm-hmm. of flack, um, you know, but he's definitely been, you know, playing much, much better the last few matches. And, you know, it, it was seen in that assist to Richarlison the other day, you know, his pinpoint, you know, pass uh, for the goal. And I, I think with Sigurdsson improving and Richarlison kind of getting that support and like Matthew was saying, playing in his preferred position, I feel like that's why we've kind of seen that resurgence from him the past few matches yeah I think um with Richarlison and and Matthew that's kind of the question I have too when you mentioned about you know if this is something we'll see for the long term with him and Dominic Calvert-Lewin because it does seem like Richarlison plays much better likes being in that central role we talked about it a little bit on previous podcasts about how he enjoys the spotlight and enjoys the pressure of it um for you know they work well together because obviously, you know, Pickford plays the long ball to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, and he can head it on to Richarlison and, and it kind of work well in that sense. You have, like you said, Sigurdsson uh, playing those passes through and we saw last night that exact play happen. Pickford plays the ball long, Dominic Calvert-Lewin heads it down to, Lewin heads it down to Sigurdsson and Sigurdsson plays the ball in through uh, to Richarlison and it's goal. And, um, you know, that's, and that it was it was a great play and it just shows the different skill sets that each have and how they complement each other um but it, it's just been you know yes uh, we would like to get both Dominic Cavalloon and Richarlison scoring at the same time and you know get them both on these runs but you know as long as one of them is putting it in uh, and we're scoring goals and we're winning games because defensively we've been very solid um that's obviously the most important thing speaking of defense uh Pickford Pickford, again, coming up with a couple huge saves at the end there. He's looked really locked in these last two games. Uh, Pat, we'll start with you. Thoughts on Pickford? Uh, he played He played unbelievable. I, I, I think Ancelotti is definitely regretting his statement the other day about wanting to rotate keepers for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, he, he played really well. He didn't have really any action up until probably the 80th, 85th minute. But those saves in the end were just so crucial – and, uh, you know, I, I think his confidence really got boosted from, you know, the win over Liverpool. And uh, he's definitely been putting in a lot of work. I feel like in the past we've seen him, you know, there's been maturity issues and whatnot and all those claims. Um, but I think he's really, you know, coming into his own now. And you can even tell by you know, the fact that we kept a clean sheet and the defense is playing superb as well. Um, I think that's kind of all reflecting on his overall play. and kind of chemistry in the back there. Matthew, how about you? What, what have you thought? I think the competition's probably helped him. We spoke about this before, but I think 
having Olsen around has driven him to raise his game. And apart from the Leicester error, I think not really done anything wrong since maybe Olsen signed. I don't, I don't think. Um, I I thought he was. I thought what we good about Pickford was that he, until the last ten minutes when we really needed him to make saves, we didn't really notice him last night. He kind of kept his composure and kept calm. Didn't kind of try and hog the limelight of the game, um, which I guess I think maybe has been criticism thrown his way sometimes. Um, kicking was much better as well last night. I know people rave about his distribution, and I've never thought it's been as, maybe as good as certainly Gareth Southgate seems to think. But I think I think last night it was it was much improved and uh, you know real outlet. He was very good at kind of slowing the game down a bit as well at times and, and buying Evan a bit of time. Um, and then obviously in the last ten minutes, that save from uh, from Vestergaard, um, especially was was a really really crucial moment. He's essentially won out two points for that save, wasn't he? Um, I know Vestergaard isn't a natural finisher and does kind of scuff the shot, but Pickford still got to deal with it, and he does so, you know, as well as any goalkeeper could really. So um, a lot of credit, I think. I, I, I understand why Ancelotti keeps saying he will rotate goalkeepers in a way because I think, at least publicly, and giving off the impression that Pickford is kind of nailed number one now, may might allow some complacency to creep in again. Because you know, as well as well as he's done, let's, let's be fair, it's only been two games. Um, so, well, certainly the last two games, I know he's, he's like I said, he's been better lately, but these last two games have been really excellent. So, I think it's maybe a good idea in a way to keep keep him on his toes and keep him, you know, fighting for his place in a way because um, we've seen what can happen with him when he gets too comfortable in that number one spot. So, uh, I don't really, I get what Pat means, but I don't really blame Ancelotti for saying that. Certainly publicly, anyway. Yeah, um, I, I can definitely agree with you on that. Um, also, I mean, with Pickford. Obviously, the Euro's coming up. So, I mean, I'm sure he has a little bit of the extra motivation for that as well to, to you know, hold on to his number one spot. Not that it's it's really ever been, um, I guess, in danger, but uh, always the possibility, especially with Nick Pope playing well and, and whatnot for Burnley. Um, but speaking on his distribution, um, you know, Pete wrote in his five telling stats here, he completed 77.8% of his passes, He included six, which included 16 of, of 26 on, on long balls. Um, he's, he completed 16 of the 26. So um, definitely really good distribution. And he just, he, like you said, he, he, he seems locked in these, these last couple games. Obviously, it's only been two games, but he seemed to do a good job. And, and we've talked about it before. These types of games where he doesn't have much to do seems to be the games where he makes the mistakes. But when he was needed in the 80, you know, the 80, 89th minute, whatever it was, um, you know, to make that save and, and come up big, he was there and and they kept a clean sheet. and. Um, just a really good job from Pickford. I'm just, you know, it's good to see him performing like this. Um, I think, you know, if you ask any Everton fan, obviously this would be, if he can just find a form and, and really just continue to grow and continue to improve and just become a, a solid um, goalkeeper that you can trust week in and week out, um, then, you know, that would be the ideal option other than, you know, going to spend more money on another keeper. But um, hopefully he continues to improve and continues to stay solid. Um, anybody else that stood out for you guys um, in this one? Anybody who you know you, you thought played played really well again in, in this match? I think Calvert Lewin played great, um, even without the goal. You know, just 
leading up to it, you know, he, he won that header, um, which, you know, eventually led to the goal. And I think also, right, I think it was like two minutes into the second half, he had this like great run where he literally ran through like seven defenders and he won the free kick. And I think just his, just his like work rate and his ability to just hold up the ball has been superb this season. And I think he is kind of a big credit for, you know, the goals and the chances we have is that his, his just ability, just like the big body and being able to, you know, dribble through those tight spaces and hold the play up and whatnot. I think he played really well yesterday and definitely exhibited uh, those qualities as well. I enjoyed his battle with the Salisu, the the Samson centre-back. Yeah, he seems to get riled from like the first minute and then ended up getting subbed off. Yeah. I think, I agree with you. I think he was kind of a a mature performance from Calvert-Lewin even without the goal. Um, He didn't get much service, did he? I think, I think, I think the goal ended up being our only shot on target, which is kind of the area, the one he'd look out to improve, obviously. But Mason Holgate had a good game as well, um, right back. Obviously, not his natural position. Um, doesn't give you as much going forward as, um, you know, a, a sort of, you know, your archetypal modern day right back. But um, very solid and just unfussy. I think Holgate kind of has had a tendency in some games lately to, a bit like Pickford, you know, be a bit too extravagant or overplay or, or, Maybe be a bit slapdash in his approach, but he just kept it very simple last night. And I thought he had a good game. I thought he was very good at Anfield as well. He's another one who's had a few games in a row now, uh, but he's been much improved. So pleased for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of times when he doesn't score, some of the the other things he does go unnoticed. But he's been fantastic and been a huge part of of Everton's success. And at least the last game, and 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 really any game Everton have won have been. Um, he's been kind of at the center of a lot of things. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on to uh, we take a break and then move on to Everton news? Well, we got we only six points away from equaling last season's points total, which is good. Yes, um, I think six more wins will take us on to 61, which is about what I'd expect to get your so that's certainly doable, isn't it? <laughs> we're still a third of the season left it certainly looks a lot rosier than last season yeah well it's yeah it's it's March and you know still in the FA Cup still in you know still competing in 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 the league in some sense so um, something we're not used to and hopefully it continues but let's take a quick break here um, and then we'll come back with some Everton news all right we're back with um, some more Everton news uh, just kind of breaking down what's happened over the past week. Obviously, we had a week off from games, so um, we got a, a little bit more time to talk about some of the other stuff. Let's start with, um, I mean, all of it seemed to be big news this week after the Liverpool win. Everton kind of went on a little bit of a spree here, releasing news and 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 some good stuff coming out. Let's start with the stadium. Uh, it seems that Everton's new stadium plans have been, they were unanimously approved by the Liverpool City Council. Um, I believe now it goes to, uh, you know, another piece of government to to get officially approved for for um you know for for construction to start and whatnot um Matthew you know you want to start off with this talking about kind of the the stadium plans obviously you know great news for Everton it's been something we've been talking about for a while but now it seems like it's finally coming to fruition 
Senate closer, yeah. Um, and um, I think it's good, it's good news for everyone, really, isn't it? Because I think as much as, you know, Goodison Park is um, so kind of synonymous with Everton and will be so kind of heart-wrenching to leave, um, it's kind of a necessary evil, I think, moving away from from Goodison eventually just because of how old and, and in some ways decrepit Goodison is. Um, I obviously being like in and around Liverpool and, and you know knowing the city, I think where they've where they've chosen to build the site is um, is is really kind of not innovative but interesting because it's kind of a, a less this marketable um, area of Liverpool, which they're obviously going to kind of breathe new life into with this new stadium design and all the sort of business that will come with that. Um, and aside from the stadium, I also like the the legacy project they they've talked about with Goodison um, in terms of making sure that the area that Goodison currently takes up is converted into residential areas or youth zones, retail, leisure, etc. So nice to know the the club have some foresight in that, and um, are not just going to let it become like some sort of derelict. Uh, you know, old building. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks very, it, the like Tom wrote in his in his report. It looks pretty, um, you know, pretty much a formality that this will go through and that planning can can start as soon as possible. And then with the aim to obviously be open by 2024-2025, which hopefully by then we're allowed to go to games again. Fingers crossed. Um, I guess one of the things I would kind of want to know from you guys more because you're based in the states is like not not how much do you care about this but like how how much like how significant does this feel to you being a fan from overseas or being fans from overseas because i was actually to hold a so it'll make more of a difference to me but like what are your guys thoughts on it does it excite you or how, how do you feel about it pat you want to go first on this yeah i mean I feel like you definitely have like the better sense of it all since you're there. Um, so we probably don't have that same feel. I was supposed to visit Goodison this time last year um, on like the Everton USA spring trip and it got canceled due to COVID, unfortunately. And I think Matthew, you and I were going to check out the yeah. Chelsea match as well. <laughs> that would have been nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, definitely still want to check out Goodison, obviously. But no, I mean, um, again, it's it's hard to say being overseas and whatnot. But just based on the stock photos alone that they released, it looks it, it looks pretty great. Um, and I think the location is really cool, like around the water. Um, yeah, I think that's like a super cool touch. And I don't know really anything about the area itself where it's being built. Like you said, it's not you know a super happening place, but um, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something, you know, I'd love to visit in the future. Um, and obviously it's going to be sad when, you know, they finally do leave Goodison, but, uh, you know, like you'd mentioned, it, it seems like it's best for, you know, everyone involved, um, for this, for this new, uh, new project. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, like you said, Pat, it's, it's not something that <laughs> we can obviously visit every, every you know, time Everton play a game. And obviously maybe it's not as, as crazy for us in that sense, but 
everything looks beautiful. And, you know, I plan on, you know, I, I mean, if it is 2024, 2025, whatever it may be, I, I plan on getting to Goodison before, uh, before it closes. But I think everything that they're doing with Goodison, the project that they're putting together, I think that looks great. And obviously just continues to build the profile of the club off the pitch. Um, but also, you know, it just, it looks beautiful. And, you know, I, I, for us in America, we, you know, it's, um, you know, I looked at the Tottenham stadium and I thought it was beautiful and it's awesome and a place to visit. And I think this will be just as good, if not better, especially like you said, due to location. Um, you know, I, I've been to white Hart lane, so I kind of understand, you know, the difference there between, between the, the, the two stadiums, that one and, and the one they just built. But, um, but it just, it looks beautiful. I think they've done a great job with it. I love the look of it. I love what they're doing with it. And, you know, I think it's just as exciting for us. Maybe, maybe not because we can go to games and stuff, but just to see the club continue to build and continue to, you know, um, kind of take those steps towards becoming that bigger club, um, you know, in, in the current day, I guess you could say, obviously the history is there, but to maybe fans over here in America, you know, this type of stuff, makes national news and international news and, and um, will certainly attract more and more fans. I think, you know, even from these neck of the woods. I would, I would say that I am always excited to visit it. I don't get like, I don't get ecstatic about it just because I am, you know, I have maybe because I have more of a kind of emotional attachment to Goodison having been there so many times. I like I said I accept we have to leave Goodison, but I'm not. I think generally in life I'm not someone who likes change, you know. So I think yeah. um, I'm quite wedded to Goodison. So I don't. I don't think. Oh, I can't wait to visit the new stadium. I do. I do and I don't because I. I think it will be great when it's open, and you know I'm sure it looks like it'll be a fantastic place to go and watch Everton play every other week. But. I guess partly because it's still five, four or five years away and also three, years, three four years away and also because, like I said, kind of excited to get back to Goodison at the moment. Um, I don't, like, get massively, you know, sort of enthusiastic about stadium news, but from the club's perspective, it's, it's obviously a massive step forward. And um, like I said, they seem to have gone about it as well as as well as they could have done really with all the fan consultation and the, you know the stellar designs that Dan Meese has has uh, you know presided over and I think you're going to give top marks to the club the club in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the only thing is you know I mean obviously we see the pictures we don't know until it will be built to see how the atmosphere will be. You know I, the one thing I do like about Goodison at least from afar is just how on top of the pitch. The, the the fans are and it kind of feels very close and tight and you know you hope that that kind of obviously it's going to be a bigger stadium and um you know a much bigger ordeal in terms of you know the build of it and whatnot but you hope that that kind of is still there that kind of you know packed in you know on top of the pitch type of feel that you can kind of see at least from from where what looks like from the tv um so We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, still some hurdles to to get over there for the new stadium, but looking like it's moving in the right direction. Um, other really, really big news this week um, that was confirmed. Dean signs a new contract until 2025. Um, you know, says he wants to be here, says he believes this is the place to get to Champions League, says the club's head in the right direction and, and, and stuff like that, which is obviously great to hear. 
Um, but you know, the signing in itself, just huge for huge for Everton moving forward. Um, Matthew thoughts. It shows that Everton can match the ambition of players of Dean's caliber, which hasn't always been the case. Um, and what, what I like is what, what excites me about it is the fact that there's Everton a better chance of keeping like the, the core group of, you know, really top players or, you know, the, the sort of nucleus of this side dance building together because he is such a fundamental part of that. Um, it's great that he wants to commit to the club for, for so many years and, you know, probably play for Everton in that new stadium as well. Um, and I almost feel like it would be a shame or a bit of a waste of Luca Dean if we don't kind of push on and give him, you know, the team around him that he deserves. And we are getting there, aren't we? With him, you know, the squad is certainly stronger than it was, say, 12 months ago. The team is certainly better than it was 12 months ago. Um, you just hope that improvement continues and that more players of Dean's caliber either emerge, either through, you know, players we've already got improving or bringing, you know, the right, you know, that quality of player into the club in the transfer market. Um, so again, it's it's another piece of news like the stadium, which you can't really look at in any other way than just wholly positive news for Everton as a, as a football club. Dad, how about you? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great news. You know, I, I think we're all a little biased, but I, I don't really think I ever sensed a feeling that he would leave, you know, ever oh. since he signed. Um, I think he's really bought in, you know, to – to the club and the fans and whatnot and Ancelotti, um, you know, he, he just really, you know, embodies, you know, an Evertonian and he, uh, you know, he's just been, he's been playing really well. Uh, you know, he was definitely a standout in yesterday's game too. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just great news. Uh, and, and like Matthew said, it, it shows ambition and that we can hold on to these players, which we might not have been able to hold on to, you know, five, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's great news and, you know, hopefully we can just keep, keep on supporting him and going up from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he's been so good, such an essential part of our attack and, and defense. Um, it's just great to see him sign, sign on, believe in the project that Ancelotti's building. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, largely due to Ancelotti. I mean, I think Ancelotti has had such an influence over, some of the players we've brought in, some of the hype from, you know, around the league and, and, you know, maybe other players looking at us and, and realizing us as a growing club. And I think like we see even in the club, he's having an impact and just having players, like you said, buy in and um, kind of seem like they're, they're, they're ready to go, you know, make this charge towards champions league and, and, and who knows what from there, um, you know, moving to the other side of the pitch and, and the other side of that defense, um, obviously we've talked about right back Mason Holgate, Holgate playing there right now, but not his natural position. There have been links though, to Max Aaron's recently solid links, obviously Fabrizio Romano saying that Everton are in talks, but obviously fighting with, um, you know, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, uh, for, for, for his, you know, signature, um, Pat, we'll start with you. Um, obviously this is a player that has been talked about with Everton for, you know, at least a year now. Thoughts on the possibility of signing him and, and you know, Everton's chances? Yeah, Max Aarons is a great player. I remember when they first got relegated, everyone was kind of, you know, chomping at the bit to see who would get the likes of Aarons. Um, you know, Jamal Lewis was another fullback for them who ended up going to Newcastle, I believe. Yes. Um, 
a lot of the limelight was taken from him. But yeah, no, Max Aarons is a great player and he's young and, you know, it seems like he has that kind of friendship um, with Godfrey, which is helpful as well. And if, if we manage to get him, I know Bayern Munich is also, you know, in the, in the rumor mill as well. You know, I think that would kind of solidify our fullback pairing for the next, you know, five, six years easily. Cause what Digne is only 26, 27. Yeah. And Aaron's can't be, what is he? 22, 23, 21. 21. Oh, even better. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he seems like a great, great young player and, you know, it definitely costs a good amount um, for the fee, but, you know, with Coleman getting up there and Kenny's future seemingly not happening at the club, you know, once his loan at Celtic is done, um, I think it'd be an awesome move for sure. I think, uh, Right back is certainly the top priority this summer, who should be, in my opinion, because I think Holgate's done well there, and I think Holgate and Godfrey have both shown that they can fill in there. But I don't think that you need more from a right a right back in, in the way the game's kind of played nowadays. Um, Max Ahrens, it feels like a very logical signing, um, because I think, not least because I think of the clubs that he's been linked with, I think it makes sense, most sense for him to come to us rather than Manchester United or Bayern where he's been linked. Um, and that's not that's not necessarily me being biased. I just think, is he going to play that much ahead of Wan-Bissaka? Probably not. I I don't know. Is he would play for right back at Bayern mostly is it Pavard, I imagine. You know? I, I think so. I, I think it's just he's so, he's yeah. hurt or something like that. So he's he's not been playing much. He might play. Yeah. I mean, I just seen Bayern Munich have signed Reading's left back, who's similar age, uh, Richards. So you know, clearly they they have a thing for kind of um, kind of snapping up sort of young British talent or whatever. So I don't think it, it would be a massive surprise maybe if, if they sign him. But I just think. Sure, you want to play with under Ancelotti more than you want to play under Solskjaer or Hansi Flick as well, for one thing. If we win the Champions League, that's another bonus. And then he gets to play with his, his mate Ben Godfrey. Uh, he gets to play every week, like I said, pretty much. So and I, I like these kind of signings from Everton because, um, you know, while Alan and Rodriguez especially have been great, you, you look at these signings and think they kind of fit what Everton tries to do more long term. And you know, even if it comes, if the worst comes to the worst, and they move on to you know to a bigger club or whatever, then at least you can be safe in the knowledge that they'll have a lot more resale value than people at the other end of their twenties. So, um, I think Aaron would be the most sensible signing, even if he ends up being Evan's the most expensive summer signing. Um, and it's certainly an area which I think has to be Evan's top priority this summer. Yeah. Obviously, Aaron's in terms of the stats lines, uh, hasn't been that great this season, hasn't been putting up the numbers that you would expect from someone if you're just looking at the stats. Um, I don't think he has any assists, but if you look at the expected assists. Got one assist, I think. Oh, he's got one assist. Yeah, he's got one assist. So he, um, so, um, but if you look at the expected assists, I think it's between four and five. So he's putting the good crosses in there. And just imagine what, what Dominic Calvert-Lewin would do with getting crosses from Dean on, on one end and, and obviously some passes from, 
from Aaron's on the other end, I think it would just be a great fit for Everton and a, a player that they definitely should be going after. I agree with you, Matthew, that I think right back is, is the top priority because um, I, I just, you know, you think about the possibilities um, with him at that right back position, obviously well, getting, go ahead. No, no, sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying, obviously getting into Europe in some sense will, will yeah. bolster our, our negotiations for him, but we'll see. But, you know, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, your point on assists is a good one because I think assists, you know, are kind of as much about who's on the other end as who crosses yeah. the ball. Yeah. Probably, which I think is why Robertson gets more assists than Dean, for example, because mm. he's feeling Liverpool's front three, who, you know, before the season at least, were kind of on fire and... Dean had kind of a, a younger Rora Calvert Lewin to aim for, or you know, Walcott Tosin, etc. So, um, you know, I, I know they got Pocky, but you know, they're still championship players, so it's not like not the same caliber as it. Um, I wouldn't, so I wouldn't read that much into his lack of success. Um, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't read much into the fact that Norwich's defense was so bad last season, even because we've already seen from Godfrey that individually they might be good players, just as a collective. Yep. Yeah, and even Jamal Lewis has been, you know, doing a good job over at Newcastle, from what I understand. So, um, you know, the Newcastle, you know, Aaron's would be a good signing for 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 us, um, for sure. Uh, last thing, Pat, I know you're writing a piece on this. Um, uh, Nikita Jelovic, uh, he, he announced his retirement oh. yesterday. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, one of your favorite Everton players. Oh man, he was. He was like one of the main reasons why, you know, I started supporting uh, Everton. Just his first touches. I mean, every first touch was a goal for him. And just he had so many just limbs, limbs uh, warranted goals, you know, against Man City. That was a memorable one. And uh, Sunderland, the FA Cup. I think that was an own goal, but that was a great one, too. And yeah, no, he was just great. Um, I don't know why I, well, I guess every, you know, Everton fan kind of stuck on to him, but. Uh, he was just, I think that first half season for us, he was, you know, one of the best strikers in the Prem and um, just some great memories of watching him play. And, you know, it was sad to see him go. And he, I think, struggled with a lot of injuries later on in his career and kind of bounced around clubs and whatnot. But for those six to 12 months, he was one of the best players, you know, I had seen in my new becoming of being an Everton fan. And, uh, you know, I followed him with Croatia and the Euros and, you know, he played great there as well. And, um yeah i mean it's 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 sad to see him retire he's 35 which i had no idea was that old but um you know it seems like a good age for him but yeah he he scored some memorable goals spurs that one was incredible with the belios overhead kick assist probably one of the only good things belios ever did in a blue shirt but um yeah he, he was just some great memories as i'm sure you guys can remember and you know uh, i i definitely uh am fond of his uh, time and memories at the club yeah, I, I honestly didn't realize he scored 21 goals for Everton. I didn't realize he scored that much um, in his short time with the club. But, yeah, he was – I mean, the Tottenham one for me sticks out the most um, just because I remember sitting – My uh, again, my brother and my dad are both Tottenham fans, so that had a little <laughs> extra uh, – a little extra, you know, meaning for me. But um, But just sitting there, I was sitting at like a table in school or something like that. There was some weekend event. 
and I was watching the game and, and just went nuts when he puts the, <laughs> puts the second goal yeah. in and stoppage time or whatever it was, but he was, yeah. he was fun to watch. And that, like you said, the first half of the season, first half uh, or the first half season he was with us, he was phenomenal. So uh, Matthew, yeah. any memories uh, for you, um, you know, maybe being at a game or something like that, that you can remember of Yelvich? I didn't have a season ticket then, so it's, I didn't go to as many games, but I remember the one I remember him scoring in was in Sunderland, but it was at home um, where we were one 0 down. We actually played pretty well, and it was the start. It was actually it wasn't it was his kind of first full season where he ended up kind of tailing off, but we played pretty well that day. Um, but we found ourselves one 0 down, and then Fellaini was kind of our talisman that season. Equalised about 15 minutes left, then basically straight from the kickoff, or about a minute, two minutes later, uh, someone I think it might be Pinar plays Yelovich in, and, and Yelovich kind of one on one just finished it really coolly, and just Goodison went berserk that day. Um, <laughs> you know, which for a two for a pretty you know on the face of it a pretty routine win over Sunderland. <laughs> 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 um, it was just a great moment, and you know even the, the games I wasn't weren't at. His goal, like we talked about one-touch finishes before, and he was like the archetypal one-touch finisher, wasn't he? Like yeah. Man United 4-4, where he puts that sort of looping header in and then the volley and yep. Sunderland, what, Sunderland goal, Tottenham won on his debut or his first goal for, yep. against Tottenham. Um, just really predatory. And it's weird to think it was nearly 10 years ago now. Yeah. And also, yeah. also weird, also kind of sad to see how he kind of tailed off in the end. Mm-hmm. I was actually I was at his last game as well against QPR when I actually missed his his first he scored two and his first goal was a was a sort of long range screen which you don't really expect from him. Oh. But I missed yeah. that because I was kind of I, I don't know I think I wanted to get something to eat or something. That we <laughs> but I was right in front of the other goal where he scored his second one and then, and then I don't know if you remember he got a penalty to get Hattery and he sort of did a sort of Bruno Fernandez style run <laughs> and then. Tried to trip the QPR goalkeeper and hit the bar, um, and then Martinez sold him next week to Hull. So I was, I kind of had a big soft spot for him as well, and you know followed him after he went. He left Everton, did okay at Hull, and went to West Ham, and then went to China, and I think back to Croatia with me. So um, I liked Jelovic, and, and I hope he, you know, I hope, I hope he has a, I mean, enjoys retirement. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a great player. Um, and, and like you said, wishing him the best in his retirement. Uh, we'll take another quick break here, but after we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming matches Everton have over the next week. All right, we're back and talking West Brom and Chelsea. Uh, obviously those next two matches for Everton, the first uh, being West Brom uh, on March 4th, this Thursday uh, at 6 p.m. over in England, 1 p.m. over here on the um, East Coast, excuse me. Um, and then Chelsea, uh, Everton take on Chelsea on Monday, uh, March 8th, uh, same time, 6 p.m. over in England, uh, 1 p.m. over here on the East Coast of America. Um, let's start off with uh, West Brom. They're currently in 19th place on 17 points. They're nine points from safety. Um, they've, been, they've been unbeaten in their last three. Uh, beat Brighton on Saturday in, in what was an extremely, extremely controversial um, situation yeah. there. Honestly, probably should have been a tie, if we're being fair. Um, yeah. And, of course, being led by none other than Big Sam. 
Um, <laughs> Chelsea, on the other hand, they're in fifth in the Premier League. 44 points, one point off uh, Champions League. Also, we are one point behind them, I believe, now with a game in hand. Um, they've been unbeaten since Teuchel took over uh, in late January. Uh, they play Liverpool away, though, on Thursday. Um, so they'll have that on Thursday and then us on Monday. Uh, let's start with West Bromwich, Allardyce's return. Um, Matthew, we'll start with you. What have your thoughts been on Big Sam taking over West Brom and, and West Brom of late? Well, I saw a tweet which was about Allardyce saying they could get Everton into the top four, and then on Thursday he might do that if we, if we beat his West Brom team. Um, I think Allardyce will probably be bang up for this one because of the kind of sour note he left Everton on. Um, obviously, there won't be any fans there, so there'll be nobody sort of booing him or anything like that from our end, but um, <laughs> I think this probably be one of the I think if you could make a list of like games Allardyce wanted to win as West Brom manager, I imagine this would be one of them. Um, I think West Brom have very slowly improved. I mean, I felt a sorry for Slavin Village when he got sacked because they just drew with Man City and I don't really see how much more he could have done with that squad. And then when Allardyce came in, they lost. They kept losing 4 or 5-0 at home, didn't they? And it was thought they had no chance. But I think he made some quite decent signing in January with that Yukuslu midfield and um, Snodgrass and is it Deand up front? Um, I think they they haven't lost in the last three, which included that uh, draw with United and then draw at Burnley where really they should have won, and then they beat Brighton very fortuitously on Saturday. So they, I guess they've got a bit of momentum. I would still expect Everton to go there and win, but um, I think. It's important to be wary of this game because of the form they've been in and because of the kind of added sense of revenge Allardyce might feel. And also because, because you know, I mean, it's the same for both. Well, actually, it's not the same for both teams because we have three three days break and West Brom have five days. So I know it's Allardyce was complaining about the timing of this rescheduling, but maybe he has a slight advantage there. I expect Evan to win this one, but I... I don't think it'll be maybe as comfortable as the home game was when we basically swatted them away after a bit of trouble at the start. Pat, how about you? What what are your what are your thoughts on uh, West Bromwich and Big Sam? Yeah, I I definitely I, I don't think it's going to be the same. Was it seven goal seven goal thriller as it was last time we played them? Um, I I think it'll be a much more low scoring affair. Um, you know, obviously, like Matthew said, Big Sam will be very motivated to win this match, and they are in decent form. And, you know, I think Ancelotti is obviously aware of that. So, um, you know, kind of like I think Ancelotti said before the match yesterday that, um, you know, this wasn't going to be an easy match. And, you know, he knew that. And I think he's going to have that same mentality going in here. And uh, I, I'm expecting a, a small bit of rotation, um, especially with the Chelsea match coming up shortly after. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also predicting a win, uh, but I don't think it's going to be, like I said, as high scoring as the last time uh, the two teams met. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I can't imagine it's going to be um, like a 5-2 game. Um, just, you know, listen, I mean, I don't care how Everton win. If they win one nothing, it's a win. But um, you just, just the way Everton have been kind of offensively and, and in attack um, and kind of, 
you know, not scoring that many goals, you, you would expect it not to be as high scoring. But, um, you know, you imagine Allardyce is going to do, do a good job on, you know, defending and, and, and keeping Everton locked up there. And it's going to come down to whether Everton can break down that defense and, and, and probably, you know, that low block or whatever they, they play in and kind of just, you know, breaking down Big Sam's uh, defense. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, obviously, uh, you know, probably some need for rotation just to keep people, you know, healthy and rested. Um, we'll see who we have available tomorrow. Obviously, we're recording on Tuesday. So um, Wednesday will be um, Ancelotti's presser for letting us know who's available and whatnot. Uh, Matthew, are you making any changes in this one? And if so, who? Yeah, well, it probably goes out if Davies is back. Um, for reasons that we've said about before, just easing Allen back. Um, maybe not. Apart from that, I, I, don't, I think probably team other than that is probably okay. Maybe, unless maybe you want to go with a more with more width in midfield and play two wingers. And but I can see him leaving Richardson and Calvert-Lewin up top. Um, so no, I think it's his hand is partly forced by the amount of injuries we've got. I mean, you saw that with the bench last night. In fact, we had Astley and Broadhead and uh, Onyango. So, there isn't much really room for manoeuvre at the moment. I think the defence probably stay the same. Um, maybe Alan for Davies and then maybe maybe Iwobi. I don't know. I thought Iwobi was quite good, actually, when he came on last night for three minutes or whatever, but... I think a couple, but not not wholesale changes because you want to stick with a winning formula as much as you can, don't you? So yeah. Pickford's going to keep his place then? Yeah, I do, yeah. I don't yeah, think. I mean, go on. he's the only one that I would think they would switch. But other than that, I, I think you're pretty spot on. I mean, Olsen wasn't on the bench either, was he? He was injured, so. Yeah, that's true. Whether he, whether he actually was injured or. Yeah. I don't know. I, I um. No, I, I think I do think we'll see Olsen again this season at least, you know. Um but I think on the back of two such impressive performances from Pickford it would be kind of you know, kind of strange to see him dropped. Um yeah. and also goalkeepers aren't really you don't need to rotate goalkeepers in terms of fitness, do you? So Yeah, he didn't really get too much of a workout yesterday. <laughs> yeah. For the last totally ten minutes cold. or so. So yeah. yeah, he's 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 probably pretty pretty healthy and fit right now, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally yeah, I, I think if you're gonna see any change, it's probably like you said, Matthew, probably going to be with Allen, maybe a will be on that right side. Um, but but really not much else. Maybe maybe you do see Rodriguez also, um, if he's healthy and fit. But it's still always the possibility that Ancelotti doesn't play him, gives him another few days off before Chelsea, which he obviously would be needed for maybe a little bit more. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea a little bit. Um, obviously they've been significantly improved since Teuchel took over. Um, Pat, we'll go to you first. Thoughts on Chelsea and um, Teuchel. Yeah, I mean, the only uh, you know saving grace before a match against them is that they play Liverpool. Um, a few days before, right? Is, is that what you'd said? Yes. Yeah, they play them Thursday. Yep. I wasn't aware of that, so that makes you know that match seem a little more promising um, for Everton. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been playing you know, great so far. Uh, you know, I know Timo Werner still has been playing uh, not to his best, um, which is, again, another 
uh, good thing for Everton. Um, but yeah, I mean, they seem like the team to beat right now. Uh, you know, the new manager coming in, they've definitely uh, looked a lot better. And I think they've kind of gotten their chemistry with all their new signings and whatnot um, a lot better as well. And, you know, they'll definitely be a tough side to face. Um, and I think we'll have a better understanding of the team we'll look to put out, you know, after West Brom on Thursday. Um, you know, we'll see if Ancelotti, you know, rests Thomas again or whatnot, Allen. And, you know, I think we'll have a better understanding of that. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a tough side and tough matchup. I think we'll have a better chance against them than we did Man City, obviously. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, it'll be uh... – It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, obviously, Chelsea have just been fantastic. Matthew, your thoughts on Chelsea and, and under, under Tuchel, Tuchel, I don't even know how to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he called Maguire MacGyver on uh, <laughs> Sunday. That made me laugh. Uh, no, I think I read Aspilicueta, you know, apparently saying that he thinks everything's a lot easier and a lot better at Chelsea now. But I don't know whether it was as much that Lampard's gone or whether Tuchel's because of Tuchel arriving, but either way, it seems like they're in a better place now. Um, having said that, I don't feel necessarily particularly wary about this game, because of how well we've seen Evan play away from home. Uh, I think a draw is, and you know, a draw is a decent result in this one as well. Um, I think, like Pat said about before, you just, I guess, Pat's, <laughs> in hindsight, Pat, you're probably quite glad he didn't end up going to that Chelsea game like this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not, not all of us had that luxury, and it was a pretty, <laughs> you know, horrific day. Um, I don't think the, I don't think it'll be the same kind of game, though. Um, I think it'll be a lot more even this time around. Um, I think Evan would defend a lot better this time around, and um, I think this is probably the game we look to bring Allen back in if you take him out against West Brom. Maybe you Hamas Rodriguez similar kind of role to what you gave him at Anfield as well. Um, and I don't know whether you need to play that defence that played at Anfield as well. I know we had Seamus Coleman then and he was injured last night, so it depends on his fitness. But maybe the same game plan that worked at Anfield might be the way to go for Chelsea because the form that they're in. Although I don't, I still don't feel fear Chelsea as much as I did Liverpool just because of our history with them and they won the league so comprehensively last season so it'll be a tough game but I think we showed in the, in the home game against Chelsea that you can frustrate them I know it's a different manager but um, you know same players still and I think we've, and it's not just Chelsea we've done it to either you know we did it to Arsenal we did it to United um, not United did it to Liverpool did it to Leicester for the most part um, so I, I'm quite confident in our ability to repel Chelsea and frustrate them um, I think this week, if we get four points, that's a that's a really commendable return. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, you know, just I'm just looking at the schedule right now. After Chelsea in the league, at least you have Burnley, Crystal Palace, and Brighton um, coming up in the league. Obviously, Man City in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup kind of breaks that up a little bit. But after you know these. In terms of league games, these next five league games are games I think we can get points from. Um, and, and if we continue to play the way that we've been playing, um, you know, 
it, 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 by the time April 17th rolls around and we're taking on Tottenham and Arsenal in back-to-back matches, um, you know, you hopefully we're looking at, at, at a team who's taken, you know, a significant amount of points over the last five matches, at least in, 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 in the, in the league. So um, I think this Chelsea team has been playing fantastic in terms of, you know, just getting back to Chelsea. Um, I think they've been playing really well. Um, but again, it's, you know, I think that Man City is the one team that you look at and you're like, okay, listen, this team is, is untouchable. But I think, I mean, listen, this man, this Chelsea team tied Manchester United zero zero uh, this past week. And I mean, I don't know about you guys. Listen, we've lost to United twice this season, tied them three, three, of course. But I, I think that you still feel like you can beat that team. And, and I think if you look at this Chelsea team, I, I feel like there's still a chance for us to at least grab a point from this one um, and, and come out with four points from this week, which would be a really good return. Um, and then of course, Burnley after that. So uh, let's get into predictions to wrap things up here. Um, Pat, we'll start with you on – let's start with West Brom. Pat, we'll start with you. Uh, prediction for West Brom. I'll go 2 nothing Everton win. Matthew? I'll go 1-0, I think. Maybe a similar kind of game to last night. Um, and I think West Brom, you know, like I said, West Brom improved defensively. Um, I think it will uh, be a tight game, but one that you would expect Everton to win, ultimately. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Pat. I, I think two no, two no. I think it's. Uh, I, I think Everton can get the like you said. I think we all agree that Everton should get the win in this one. Now it's just a matter of uh, whether they do or not. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, uh, but I think in terms of predictions, you should expect three points from that one. Let's go over to Chelsea, Matthew. We'll start with you. Uh, thoughts on the Chelsea match in terms of predictions. Uh, one one. Uh, Pat, how about you? Not not four yeah, I'm, I'm, Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking the same. One all. Yeah. I'm gonna it'll say it'll be tight and it'll be maybe not a great watch, but maybe another sign that Everton are on the right track if we keep yeah. us and run away from going as well. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two two. Um, I think Chelsea get a couple, but I think Everton do too. Um, I think I think we can see a couple goals each in this one. And um, but again, four points from this week. I think if you if you tell me um, four points from this week, uh, if you guaranteed that, I'd be significantly happy with that. So um, let's yeah. hope we, we 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 take care of business in that in that aspect. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap the podcast up? We haven't lost away at a top six or a big six team yet this season. We like that. To mark, mark change from previously, doesn't it? Yeah. Not last, uh, not the one, I mean, last two. It's another, you know, Tottenham, Tottenham, Man United, and uh, Liverpool. And obviously one at Leicester as well, so. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting, but yeah, again, that away form makes you feel makes you feel a little bit more confident. So um, we'll see how things play out. Uh, we'll be back, of course, as always next week. But until then, Matthew, thank you for uh, for joining as always. Thank you, um, Pat. Of course, thank you for joining us and 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 talking with us a little bit. We love having you on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, and to you guys out there, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Make sure you just keep subscribing, following. 
uh, tell friends, family, if they want to uh, follow and subscribe too. Uh, we appreciate all the support. Um, that's it for us. We'll talk to you guys next time.